Hey everyone. So it's a nice uh, moment before sunset and it gets a bit too dark for me to be able to do this. So there's like a rare space in between people and processes for me to send this short introduction to the really interesting indigo process that we have two weeks to um, uncover. Maybe because it's too, it's so big, this topic of what is truth, what is knowledge, what is the mind, that's able to look back at itself, which tends to happen in interesting ways in inner dance. So um, that space between blue and indigo is very um, intentional because there is that connection still between what is language and what is mind that we're always going to be um, finding these infinite meeting points within. Um, so the space to think about it, listen to it, um, going to conversations is really quite valuable. So we're going to be having two Zoom calls on the indigo. And in a way, indigo is also like violet. You know, when you look at the color uh, chart, um, white is basically indigo. Uh, I mean, violet is indigo plus white. And as white is the combination of all colors. The next three Zoom calls we're going to be having, hosted by um, IDS1, um, holds a lot of integration. And here might be a time to bring up a lot of the things that you've been seeing coming up in the last months. And I'm feeling like maybe we should open up the Zoom calls and IDS too for you to join as well, to listen in and to contribute to as uh, a way of closing <clears throat> a rather interesting year, year 2020. So sending love from Plon. Um, so Indigo and the Inner Dance is still closely linked with the other colors. Um, understanding that we're being given this tool um, or this gift that allows us to shake off the heavy, dense patterns that don't seem to be so useful. It doesn't seem to serve us so much. Like there are these aspects of humanity that we are in a negotiation process over. There's a grieving at work. I'm, I'm sitting down with so many conversations with um, the local residents of Palawan where um, many businesses have closed and there are these last people standing, hoping that it comes into a normalcy here so that they could go back into mostly tourism-based um, economics. But as you all know, a lot of people might not be traveling too soon based on where things are heading uh, in the next months and in the next year. They're having to face some sort of other reality. Mm. But they're still unable to negotiate in their minds now. Um, so I'm quite attentive in a listening space for them um, to sense what the openings are in the 
transformation that for now is happening because things are forced and um, they're not really in a willing it's not a voluntary change process um, like those who might be going through this in a very deep way um, investing energy and time in things that don't really seem practical at a point when to some this is the time to be very pragmatic so you have my gratitude for your pilgrimage uh, as a truth seeker um, so inner dance um, in a way is an exploration of the mind not simply an escape from it but a way of diving into something we're in and uh, the global patterns that have emerged um, slowly yet uh, large day by day and inner dance is happening somewhere around the world like notes are taken to see like what what does this have to say not just as something that we do but something inevitably at work there's something bound to happen uh, once it's unbounded um, so sensing that we're being given this tool to empty out the dustbin the dustbins of the body and the dustbins of the mind and society uh, what, what do we what do you have now basically like where are we at um, we would have to observe like what, where do people go like what do they see what do they think about and and some of these are mostly perceivable through an extension of experience it's like when you when you see the patterns it's normally through several years of going into the the really deep changes that take place not not just in what we call the inner dance but change in general where there are these neurological transitions at work uh, from my point of view the pattern has to do with um, substance and like the container uh, you hear me talk about this um, br bring this metaphor up quite frequently that um, the, like everything whether it be sentient or object has um, like the the liquid would be the substance and then you have the container the vessel that contains it so in the philosophies and the sciences um, we have these distinctions called form and content um, the mind and its thoughts um, and so on and so forth the body somehow being a placeholder for container where our soul might be what's the substance um, I'm like one interesting thing in inner dance dialogue would be the distinction between the story and um, what in science would be like the first principles or the um, the, the scientific law you know what is the scientific truth that doesn't really shift according to um, time and story it, 
doesn't unfold in a narrative. Like in a way, it stays there until something else comes up that's um, meant to be stationary or static. Like in a way. Um, so, the, it's an interesting question to hold. Like, what what does what is the role of story, and what is the role of what's outside? the story or, or somewhat like above it. There are these two major questions um, that seem interesting to a flock of people. Um, a lot of people are interested in like, who am I? And a lot of people are interested more in like, what are we? And uh, a lot of the content in their notebooks signify like where they're kind of at. It depends on um, their orientations as children, how they might have been more disciplined, how they might have been more attentive to the the experience of life or the studying of it. Like, uh, is it more about the being in the world or knowing something about what we're in? Um, so mind in my books has an orientation that goes distinct in these two matrices um, and I'm, I'm interested in both because they're they're they co-implicate each other they're both necessary you can't really just leave the story of what you who you are um, but you know something binds the story uh, together. Story in a way substantiates uh, the who. Um, it, it allows us to, to live it. You, you can't really escape the elements of life, like you, you like the, sto the elements of the story, like the raw ingredients of the narrative. The, these are the people we live with, the places we inhabit. Um, so when we conceptualize, we maybe connect certain dots, but at the end of the day, as we wake up, we can't really just stay in the boondocks, in, in the, the, that nice place in the rock beside the waterfall, just um, dreaming our way through things. We, we kind of need to navigate our way to, towards a sustainable, happy, healthy, joyful existence. Um, th there are stages that the mind undergoes um, and in and, and, and a dance a lot of the awareness happens beyond the story like the meta story if you will meta being in a way what is beyond um, so in a way we kind of go into the space before stories existed and um in that space, it's not really about truth, per se. It's um, pre-truth, you know, like um, the a priori truth, like what are the conditions where truth might be at all existent. And so um, in inner dance, there's a paradox. And um, you can't really hold it down because the orientations that you might meet in the people you hold space for, uh, you never can tell which side of the paradox um, 
you will encounter. Um, I bring up the critical theorist, the French um, critical thinker Michel Foucault as the one who might give us the terminology that brings understanding to this paradox. Um, he called it power knowledge. Um, as a critical thinker, he uses this term more as a reaction to the hegemonic or the power uh, dynamics, the, the governance systems in that part of Europe that um, he was creating a revolutionary against. Um, and, and the basic claim is that the more you have access to knowledge, the more you hold power. Um, and the, this Foucauldian notion, this theory of knowledge power has been used by many deep thinkers who are also in the good fight, um, trying to find fairness or more equilibrium that brings more power and knowledge to those who are displaced or disempowered, um, disabled. In Inner Dance, I couldn't really agree with Foucault so much. Um, the way I've observed it in the healing process, the more people gain access to power, as we might have formulated it, especially in the yellow, um, the, the less people have access to knowledge in a certain form as we understand knowledge to be. Um, insights seem to be absent the more people go into the baby state. Um, this is why we kind of need to stretch out the contextualizations in our understandings of these, because knowledge does come in its authentic form, but in the short and medium term, knowledge needs to undergo more of a deconstruction more than a reconstruction um, and that's sort of what we provide safe space for we try to come to an understanding of how exactly is that working no matter what um, skin color what race what geography people are located in um, so we therefore detach from such a distance to try to understand the universals in this. Um, if we are being given a tool to allow people to gain some kind of fresh start, a uh, new beginning or, or a blank page, um, how do we kind of hold them that they don't just hop back to the same mentality that they were pretty exhausted by to begin with or uh, how do we know that they're not able to go into the necessary stages that allow them to access an authentic thinking and knowing process um, it's somehow in Western philosophy in fact the, the origins of Western rationality that you find there to be a uh, a mirroring process, like in a way, people kind of just go into repetitions of what uh, has already been laid out. And um, 
you know that saying that unless we're able to learn from the lessons of history, we're bound to just keep going in a hamster wheel uh, of sorts. We're just going to keep reinventing the same cycle again and again and again. Um, how do we know that we've actually been through this um, in many ways and, and we can harvest from the wisdom of the age? Um, so, if yellow exists in power, uh, power is electricity, understanding that light is an electromagnetic dynamic and um, magnetism is somehow an aspect of the mind, the mind that being that which binds, the, being that which creates boundaries in a way that holds magnetic gravitational um, energetics that um, holds form more than it allows flow. Um, yellow interacts with indigo um, in what we call the chakra system, but also in um, all, all sorts of other systems. All, all sorts of other systems. So I'm actually quite excited to unravel this with you because um, what you will see here is that there are different forms of inner dance that you can uh, learn to hold. Like um, there are inner dances that open up power a lot more than it does knowledge. But that there is an inner dance that actually holds both. Mm. That there's an experience or a creation of the playlist that allows the mind to intact even as the energy awakens in the body. And it's, uh, it's like a huge question to ask, something that I wouldn't really limit. Um, now, we started this group training with the cosmic carpet. Um, here we listen to Ash discover the secrets of the universe in a way that Ash, she came to experience it, so did she come into an understanding of it. And there was such a confidence in this very timid, shy, yet... Uh, intuitive Malaysian Chinese woman um, one of the things that she uttered then was there's no time there's no time and when we hear that it's it slows us down yeah for sure yeah of course it, there's no time Einsteinian uh, theory of relativity has already done away with our understanding of absolute time from a scientific perspective um, but nonetheless, there's a sad quality to the fact that it's an illusion. There, there, of course, there's time. Um, we were, were, we're in it. Um, there is a history that we're bound to. And um, unless we have the courage to just jump out, jump out of the matrix, um, you can't cancel it out. You still have to pay homage to something we have to validate even as obviously there's an invalidity to it that is part of especially the post-postmodern human experience. Um, so it's very valuable to utter these insights um, to understand this dualistic notion. Um, I bring up Cartesianism um, the philosophies owing to Descartes, 
that great French thinker who supposedly sponsored Western rational thought had created such a clear methodology that brings about the scientific method and um, our basic um, thinking process at large that had um, led to the way our schooling system, our medical systems, our economic systems kind of hold the power that they do now. Uh, what is it in Cartesianism that um, created that point in the arrow of time that still holds influence here now? Um, basically, it's called hyperbolic doubt, hyperbolical doubt, a Cartesian doubt. Like, what is the methodological um, skepticism, which also um, goes into repetitions in the spiritual experience? Um, it's what fuels the conspiracy theory in in many ways. Like um, everything is an illusion. I don't really believe in what um, used to be truth bearers, knowledge keepers in my own reality. Like um, in a way, we're we're going into a Cartesian revolution. Um, Descartes had the gall, the, the daring to um, perceive that he re really didn't hold um, belief in what was going on at that time uh, as the Renaissance was uh, eventually going to shift into the Age of Enlightenment coming from the Dark Ages, coming from the heavy machinery um, brought about by the church. Um, there, there was little to invest in, mentally speaking. So as he himself um, went into his awareness of life and dream, um, especially in dream, like he, he looked at his um, dream world and realized that uh, I don't even know if that is real, but when I was in it, it seemed more real than real. How can I know that um, what is here now isn't also just a figment of my imagination? So this very thing is at work now in people's minds. Um, they, they're, they're doing Cartesian and hyperbolical doubt um, in a way that uh, solipsism is at work. Solipsism comes after uh, a hyperbolic doubt where somehow we invalidate the world and the world could be either what is inside or outside um, in Eastern spirituality. Um, a hyperbolical doubt normally takes place from outside of consciousness, like the training and meditation in Buddhism and Hinduism and Taoism is that the world outside isn't real and you shouldn't really trust it. Unlike in the natural sciences where you shouldn't really trust your subjective experience of the world, what you must trust is basically what science beholds 
based on empirical evidence. Um, th there's a funny roller coaster ride in the uh, healing process whereby we end up um, going into a dance between doubt and trust, asking, like, if there was anything I could surrender to, like, who would it be? Um, the biggest despair being uh, pe if people can't even trust themselves, if people can't build um, a trustworthy ontology starting with the self, how could they even begin to trust the world? So there is a necessity of going into one's story to find one's existentialism at work, um, which is in a way a social um, Cartesianism, a hyperbolical doubt being shared by a large group of people reaching out for something to believe in like give me some truth conditions that will last that will sustain itself that would, won't go into uh, shopping that uh, I think simulates what uh, Isabel speaks to when we go into eastern or northern or southern or western mythologies to see what did people a long time ago understand or know better than people who are here now um, considering that there are also new languages and new mythologies new ways of thinking that are coming about there's something very tiring in the commerce of it all the spiritual industry that kind of hops between one truth um, to the next um, knowing that somehow beneath all of it there's something trustworthy a kind of meta-narrative that's being written by all beings um, hosted by the conglomeration of all of it, which is called the universe. Um, so in Inner Dance, all of that is recreated just like in deep psychedelic journeys and near-death experiences. Every time people receive the chance to uh, go to like a zero point, whatever the tool, um, th this is at work. Um, so we can almost redefine power as that being that which um, electrifies our mental patterns so that we could redraw uh, realities into something that would satisfy our um, deepest yearnings um, and in that case, like our deepest intuitions. Um, sorry, I'm just going to the roof of this house thing that we're building. Uh, yeah, so um, for now, just an introduction, I think, to uh, the indigo. These are, for me, very important leanings for a, a healer, a facilitator to hold um, because the patterns are many and the tools are infinite in a way. Like what is it that would hold or bind all of us together wherever we travel? Um, what is the center point or the core energy that doesn't really shift um, like the eye of the storm. Um, 
we would need to understand the relationship between the mind and its thoughts for one. If the mind is a vessel, what are these rivers of information that passes through it? Um, we, we need to receive some sort of functional training for the mind to start to understand the distinctions between thoughts and mind. Um, just being able to focus in the mind is already a metacognitive activity. We already are valuing um, how a self-awareness would work, not just self being the individual, but the larger sense of self is already um, at work. Um, these are really old questions. These are ancient questions. We've been asking these since we got here. Um, we almost need so much confidence to bear um, witness that we're, are, are, we, are we able to find answers to things that can only be grasped um, in the most minuscule fashion for most um who are we to 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 dare say we can contribute to something like this um th this is why we kind of need to slow down the thinking and uh feeling process yeah, because it's a it's a lifelong adventure and um there are many things that we need to coordinate with the global mind that's more or less been through all of these stories that is in observation of what is at hand. Um, there are new first principles at work in our many conversations. I don't want to outline them because um, they're still quite fluid even in, inside me. Um, but one of the facets of this new consciousness that's coming about has to do with a mandala that's at work. One of my roles now is to describe to you what I do in the inner dance process and holding energy school, including this one, to um, articulate to you. Um, I'm, there is an awareness of the patterns that work all throughout the process. Um, I work with a lot of randomness, but I, I do have an idea of what's going on in people's minds whether it be like a an actual physical body laying down on the floor and about to take them to an experience but the same awareness is there um even if it was just going to be through an online gathering that uses the this hodgepodge of instruments to bring about an almost sneaky mirroring process where awareness becomes suddenly aware of itself um which has to be journey-based, like in a way, I, I can't really be clear about it um, because there are certain things that we need to activate uh, rather than explain in order to kind of get there. So the two things in my mind right now would be, one of it would be the mandalic at work, like um, that there are multiple activities or events at play even as one thing it, at a time is taking place sequentially in time, uh, in life, in, in world. And um, we're being granted 
an understanding of how are we coordinating infinities even in the point-per-point chronologies of our stories. Um, I'm I'm demonstrating something within the key of seven or what we might call the mandala that speaks through colors, Um, living representations that don't need to be the way I conducted um, the last weeks with you. Um, there is something to it, though, for what is here that is also at work with the seven colors of the rainbow and the seven tonalities in the uh, musical scale that is extending in us even as we speak and listen now. Um, so as we go into a blank stage of the mind, we're coming into a new understanding of it through a way of spreading the mind into multiple directions so that even as you expand um, what we know, like how we understand things to be, there's that sense of a middle place so that we're we're obviously always talking about the same thing, but we're always um, configuring things that are not the same thing, like different aspects of, of the one um, is basically how we created the world. Like the world exists so that we could have diversity or a complexity, even though there's something very, very simple about um, the the core of it, like the, the essence of it that we have in long historicity have come to call God or or um, anything else that um, kind of place holds everything else in a way. So um, there's a new learning process, a new mentality that needs to get used to it. And in the inner dance, it begins with an experience. Like There's a totality that comes in the experience that takes a slow process to bring into language and a thinking mode. So there's a new mentality that comes to energy school that um, creates a bridge for what begins in the spiritual work. Um, the second thing I want to bring up in terms of mind functions um, is a a careful sense I have regarding what's called sense and reference. Um, That when we come to understand the world, we can either sense it or we could um, conduct uh, a system of referencing, understanding that happens in words, that happens through concepts, that happens through Um, abstract notions. So in a way, there are parts of the world that are heavily more into sense. Like they they won't understand it unless they've seen it or touched it or heard it. And um, there's very little abstract notions. Like you you can't really create imaginary um, uh, you can't really create imaginary thought structures about things that aren't really in the current um, sensibilities, like in a way. So so when you hear people, which probably includes me, bringing up all these terms that they've never really heard of, those terminologies that hold historicities and um, structures that are alien to that uh, place in a once 
person or the place in the world, uh, especially through colonization. Um, there, there was a lot of this um, um, at work. Like a, a lot, a lot of people had to undergo confusions because they were receiving many concepts, many references that didn't really emerge in the climates, the the geographies, the the places on Earth where a lot of these are inapplicable. It it doesn't really translate in a certain way. Until such time, though, that we would start to find ways to cohesively share histories where references start to have meanings in the work of translation. Uh, but for now, we're, we're having to take it slow because there are new ways of referencing at work. And one of the biggest questions happening in the mind is like, how much do we recycle the wheel? Um, understanding how time works that you you can't really create something out of nothing like the process of emergence is to make visible that which has already always been there taking into account this concept of reincarnation or um, heredity how are things passed on based on um, previous um, having lived somewhere huge and um, in multiplicity, how is that compacted somehow that it's it's passed on to the baby? Um, so as the mind starts to transition and shift, so is it able to manage um, the old and the new? And uh, the, the, there will be certain mentalities that won't so be so interested in taking up the old projects that have been there. Um, I, I've been in, in and around that myself, and I'm more interested probably in how are we um, descendants of our ancestors. Um, and, and because there are differentiations in certain parts of the world that holds more states and more structures, there are differences in the... Um, the, the mentalities in these different parts of the world are coming into place that we need to acknowledge. So um, there's a reversal of Cartesianism in a way that if there's a hyperbolical doubt, a methodological skepticism where we invalidate like everything, like nothing is real, everything is called Maya, the Buddhist Hindu word for illusion. Um, in other dance, there's something called hyperbolic trust. Um, what does it mean to actually validate everything? Somehow everything is true, but because our trauma is coming from the injunctions, the psychological um, injunctions that we received in childhood, like don't trust anyone, you can't trust anything, you need to take it slow. Um, how, how do you actually reactivate a world that understands how everything is connected? Um, in such a in in this world that we're in right now, if you do hold that new mentality, what comes about is that you're you're naive. You're 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 gonna get manipulated. You you can't really do that. You're you're gonna you're gonna it's disastrous to to to, to do that. <laughs> Yet um, this though is what we're experiencing. This is clear. 
that everything is happening for a reason, everything is connected. So a new structuralism is at work. And um, uh, I, I, I am really exhausted with buffering a, high, a level of trust that comes with the inner dance that needs to sit down with um, a lot of the distrust needs to travel to this new mentality that I described now. Um, and, and I myself have had to deal with my own uh, hyperbolic skepticism um, because of the realness of the world. And um, I've had to go into uh, a, a training process, like a... Um, a like finding epistemological ground that uh, has had to absorb so much, not just energetically, but in the translation devices available in the world now. I've had to really just listen to everything emailed, everything sent over um, in, in whatever mode it comes, either through attacks or through uh, gentle ways. Um, trying to hold on to the level of trust that inner dance has given me so I wouldn't just um, give up at any one point sensing when it is time to rest and sensing when it is time to to keep giving back without any sense of limit um, this for me is the the work in indigo that we need to conduct because um, the, the thing with yellow in inner dance is that if the body is able to move by itself like there's a dance that knows what to do without having to know anything about it. The devotion to indigo is um, quite special because if everything we know comes into uh, what we do anyhow, which brings about the experience of the world um, at large, then um, uh, there, there's a third eye at work what is it that comes after the if there's a third item that means it's the first and second um so i do see a dimensionality at work here um how the mind uh, emerges in inner dances from the empty state then we go into a synesthesia where we start to sense the world in first order a first order sense a first order sensibility um, it's like the world is so real. The colors are more vibrant. The sounds are more resonant. And um, abstractions then come about. And abstraction is a triangulation of um, uh, different parts. Like, okay, I, I now can construct. I now can structure these raw elements. Um, and just as a child conducts this constructivism uh, at an early age, so do we approach very, very slowly these new concepts, these new words, these new thoughts. Um, in psychology, uh, there's this theory called cognitive dissonance. Um, it, it describes how the child especially is unable to hold um, dissonant frequencies or dissonant concepts. So um, take, for example, you learn something from religion or spirituality and then you're watching something in the world that doesn't really go together with what you're absorbing. Um, you need to cope 
in a way. You you need to lie. You need to modify certain thoughts. You need to um, push it away somehow, like in the body or in your psychology, so that you 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 kind of justify. You create your own coping mechanisms um, to sort of hide um, the fact that there are many truths. A lot of these truths don't kind of go together. Um, we have the psychiatric um, innovative techniques in psychoanalysis and ego psychology to help us unravel um, truths that would be pragmatic to the individual but also socially acceptable in a way. Um, but there are many psychoanalysts and psychiatrists in the inner dance experience that have grieved over the limitations um, this understanding, th this analytical understanding of the mind has tried to unravel. So in inner dance, there's this thing called cognitive resonance, um, like uh, unraveling the hidden ground. Um, nothing could get bigger as an aspiration like um how do we get to that point where we just um look around and see everything is just one and it's repeated over and over again um there are ironies in hurrying too too much into that point of view because something does need to grow into the world through the experience of it um, there needs to be a coexistence with this naive um, new age psychedelic inner dance mind that does see everything as love and then something needs to kind of dive into the dark the the sticky the heavy in order to take this lightness with you uh, to see how it could um, work its way out so one one thing you need to even trust is doubt itself needs to be trusted you have to allow yourself to not trust and to be able to trust that uh, is embedded into this the, the spiritual experience like the inner dance is so hard to trust sometimes because you're you're allowing people to dive into the unknown and the reason why they're trying to dive into that is to come to a knowing and even though you know that that knowing is going to come there will be many points when it won't so um, that's the <laughs> that's how big your hyperbolic trust needs to be along with the hyperbolic doubt that will still come to you uh, sending this um, rather large set of thoughts come this sunset uh, in between dark and night um, uh, Aaron ground seeing you hearing you loads bye